When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back into lady business. On this episode, we have the wonderful Kate Luzio, who is the CEO and founder of Luminary. She's a former banker, and we'll get into that um, in a minute to tell you all why she made this transition, how she started the business, etc. Thank you for coming, Kate. Welcome. It's so good to be here, JJ. Oh, I'm so happy we uh, took a while for us to schedule this because, of course, you know, we're doing 17 things at once as women in business. <laughs> and God forbid, like, we take time for ourselves to promote ourselves, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We've had this conversation so many times since we met. And, and I don't know, it never gets easier. I guess it never gets better. But making time to to do things like this is so important to tell and share our stories. And so I'm pumped to be here. I know. So let's start with that. Let's start with, tell us how you started in your career, which then eventually led you to be like, okay, I need to do this for myself and build a luminary, but we'll start with how you started as a banker. Yeah. So I started my career, actually, uh, my first year out of college, nonprofit, then it was the original tech boom, which many you know, youngsters don't even realize there was an original tech boom. Uh, we do. And I was working in tech for a couple of years, went to get my master's degree and got recruited into banking. Banking was nothing I had ever imagined doing. I didn't have a finance background, no accounting. I didn't even have a business class in either my undergraduate or my, my graduate degree, which is crazy. But the what I loved about when I was being recruited, and I will remember it forever, the men that were recruiting me, and they were men, said, I love your profile. And I had never heard that term, my profile. And they said, we can teach you all the technical stuff. We want everything else that you have to offer. And uh, you know, next couple months later, I was sitting in a bank and sort of going, oh, shit, what did I do? Right. And the best part about that, and that led to almost 20 years later, was that I took that as a unique opportunity that I didn't come in with all of that background. And so I had to work harder, smarter, listen more, listen even more, and then actually put that into practice. And that experience really forced me in every single role that I had within the banking world to take the same approach. And it was no different than when I started Luminaries. So uh, 
and I, and I say this often and people know I didn't leave banking because I was miserable and I hated it. And I was the only woman. I think we were making progress. Um, I had incredible male mentors. I had some terrible bosses that were men too. Um, (laughs) right. But I just wasn't seeing the progress fast enough. And I decided, can I, can I interrupt you for a second? So back to the thing, when you were being recruited, why were they, were they specifically trying to recruit women? No, no. And it's funny because I look back at that time, the reason my quote unquote profile, I think um, was something that was interesting to them. Number one, I had been working abroad. So I was working in China. So I had a global sort of experience. Mm -hmm. Two, I'd been working in tech at a startup uh, at the time. So I was wearing a lot of hats and was I was aggressive, right? I wanted to kind of um, to build this career. And I had just finished uh, doing my master's at Georgetown at this full time. I mean, sorry, um, part time. I did it at night because I was working all day long. So I think they also saw this opportunity of someone who was hard charging, time management focused, had a global background. My master's degree was in international relations. It wasn't an MBA. So it's very different than who they had been hiring. And yes, I'm sure because I was uh, a woman that was was helpful. But my team that I ended up joining at that bank was um, predominantly men anyway. And uh, but all of them had MBAs except for me. And that was, by the way, by that one of those bad bosses thrown in my face over and over that I didn't have an MBA. Uh, and so that made me want to compete even harder and better because uh, he continued to tell me basically I wasn't as smart or as good enough. And, you know, and I look, you know, 23 years later where I was then and where I am now, uh, I'm pretty proud of what I accomplished in those years of banking without having that historical training that most, that most banking executives have had uh, since they walked out of college. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So then you're like, okay, enough progress is not being made. I just remember (laughs) my friends from college that we went into banking, like they were working literally like 20 hours a day. I was just like, that is not for me. And, um, and so you were like, nope, but not enough progress being made. And so then you decided to start Luminary. Is that what happened next? Yeah. You know, I didn't, I mean, I hate saying this because I know everyone's talking about it with the great resignation. You know, for me, it was less about the working 20 hours a day and I wanted to create impact both with my clients and then obviously internally in the organization. So I loved the demanding schedule as I built my career. You know, I, I raised to one of the most senior levels as a woman in the company, particularly at HSBC and and before that JP Morgan, but I knew I had to work really hard. It wasn't, you know, it's not a nine to five job as a banker and, and people need to understand that. And so that's what you sign up for. You also sign up for that salary and that bonus and that compensation. And so that's why they are, I think, higher paid um, in across industries. So I didn't mind that. And in fact, I'm actually working harder and more hours now as an entrepreneur. You know, I said I had a conversation with a, one of my mentors, a, a male who's been a mentor for a really long time. And he said, I just think you're young enough in your career. At the time I was about 42, 43. And he said, I think you can have more impact in the world and you can still make a lot of money. And at the same time, you know, lean into everything that you're doing sort of on the side of your desk. And then two weeks later, I decided, you know what, I was actually going to listen to him and why not? He was my mentor. And one of the things that he said was, you can always go back 
you have reputation, you have the resume and you have the results no matter what to whatever you end up doing. If it's another company, if it's another industry or you build your own thing, you're going to create and build new skill sets that you never had before. That only adds to everything that you have. And so two weeks later, I said, I'm done. I'm not in the banking world anymore. I'm going to try my hand at something else. And it was interesting. As soon as I said that, all the banks started calling me <laughs> like, oh, you're a free agent. Uh, I don't have to buy out your bonus. Um, what do you think about coming over? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm taking time. And that time turned into only about six weeks, eight weeks. And then I wrote a business plan for Luminary. And then eight months later, you know, we were able to open mainly because I uh, didn't have, I wasn't working full time. I didn't, this wasn't a side hustle and I self-funded the business. So you didn't know what you were doing when you left. No. No, I did the same thing at Rock Nation. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was like, this is probably, it, it was kind of a rash decision, to be honest with you. Yes, like, yes. Driving back, I had, the kids were two and a half years old. They were about to start mm. preschool. And I was like, I need to do something else. I did not come yeah. all this way for nothing. And then I was just like, I, I was like driving back from the Hamptons on a Sunday night. And I was like, I need to quit. And I literally went in the next day. And said, I need to quit. And I'm like, wait, what? I think you and I are similar. We're like the rip the bandaid off kind of person, yeah. right? And I, I will say when I did rip the bandaid off, you know, there was a kind of a, wow, this is amazing and exhilarating. And then I got, I did go into sort of that, holy shit, what did I do? Yeah. A bit of a depression. Uh, I hadn't, like you, I had been working since I was in high school, really with that, with never with the break. And here I was without a job, and yet I was talking to all these recruiters and banking and, and other banks and, and other you know companies, and I was like, what did I do? But I think that also allowed me the mental capacity to think what I wanted to do and what my next move would be. And that could have been going into another big organization in, in a different industry or or even, you know, depending on on the role back into the banking world, but it didn't. It I I went to yet another woman's event that wasn't as impactful as I had hoped it to be. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do this and do it where there's real content versus just a bunch of, you know, bullshit, you know, here's my business card talking, small talk. Right. And two weeks later, you know, I had a, a, my business plan and then I did my financial projections. So anyone out there listening that is interested in building a business, write a business plan, do financial projections uh, because you don't know how successful your business can be. You don't know how much capital you're, you're investing or if you're raising how much you actually need if you don't do that. And uh, that led me to say, I'm going to do this on my own. I didn't save all these bank bonuses to just acquire shit. Uh, I'm actually going to invest it in something that I believe in. Right. Right. And so you did the one thing that everybody gives advice against <laughs> to spend your own money to start yep. a business. Right. And how many people told you you're insane for doing that? You know, almost everyone, except yeah. my, my boyfriend, my partner, he, I mean, he has always been since the, he went through all of that with me and he was like, you know, listen, you control everything. You have a hundred. You'd have a hundred percent equity. You don't listen to anyone else. You build something the way you want it to be built. You can actually listen to your customers, and you can do it sustainably and profitably. And once I started talking about that to people, 
women were much more like, yeah, great job. Not that they would do it. The men were more like, oh, why would you ever risk all of the, your hard-earned money on this? And I, my sort of point back was every day you, you take a risk when you put money in the stock market or you do invest, any investment, right? Even real estate. Uh, so this is one asset that's not depreciating and I control the destiny. So make it, it's really a make or break with me. And I knew that risk going in. And uh, yeah, I think I still think that when we're evaluating what we do as we build our companies or side hustles or whatever, you have to really take into consideration all of the strings that are attached to any kind of money that you take. And listen, and you and I've talked about this. Not everybody has had that privilege to be able to have enough savings to start a business. But I think you have to think long and hard around what you've got expense-wise going on in your life. And if you can build a business right now without external capital, it's it's sort of a sometimes a catch-22, but we're seeing people do it. I love watching uh, companies that bootstrap for many years. I mean, whether you like them or not, uh, who's the guy? Um, MailChimp. Two guys built this company over 20 years, their own, they never raised a single dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can do it. Um, but you know, are, is every company going to be sold for billions of dollars? No, but also not every company wants to be sold. That is, that True, is that's the one thing right? that everybody's talking about now. It's like, it's all this like shiny thing. Oh, we raised all this money. Well, okay, that's great. But, you know, do, do, A, did you need it? Did you raise it from the right people? And then would right. you, if you could have, would you do it all over again? Because every time you raise money, you're giving away equity in your company, right? And you're, you're giving away decision-making, yeah. right? And, yeah. and you know, the, the other thing is, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up, yeah. right? I mean, again, I talk about this with a lot of my network is there's so many now. And I got another email today about, oh, we're, we're investing in women. We're investing in women-founded companies. And that's the headline. And then you read the fine print. And it's like, if you're a tech company, if you're yeah. a tech company, if you're a tech company, it's like, okay, I get it. You want our faster ROI, but the majority of women-owned businesses right now, and there are a significant number that are tech, there are many more that are DTC, retail, spirits. You and I know that very well because yes, we're both investors. Yeah, products, yeah. services, things that we want for ourselves that have not exactly. been Exactly. We are serving our own needs, right? Right. And so we're building our own marketplace that we can, that can survive by supporting each other, building the matriarchy, which, you know, which is what we, both of our companies were started to do. Exactly. And, and that's the whole thing too. It's like, what kind of legacy do you want to just sell it to somebody who's going to make it into something else? Or do you want to build this company? And maybe it's a company that your whole family has. I mean, all these people like Heinz, DuPont, it's all been started by other people. Right. And then, you know, Estee Lauder, like, like, do you want to build a legacy for your family or do you just want some upfront money? Um, you know, look, either way is fine, but there's still other options and just other than just selling the company. Yeah. And, and I think no. the other thing is we have, we have seen the media and I'm very critical of the media around the way they sensationalize sort of the unicorn and the exits and raising yeah. money. And that is one measure of success and success is a loose word. And, and as far as raising, when you know, the statistics around 
how many companies are actually have successful exits and return capital to back to their investors. It's a very, very small number, but it's one measure of success. You could go raise money through um, bank debt. You could go raise money through a crowd fund. You could go raise money through you know, friends and family. Those are also ways to raise money if you need it. But just saying the only measure of success is how much money you raise and how fast you're growing, I think is irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And it's setting so many companies up, particularly women founders and minority founders up for failure. Yeah. The funny thing is, is when people talk about unicorn status, you know, I have, uh, you know, my kids are eight. My daughter's favorite thing ever for a very long time was a unicorn. Here's the thing. <laughs> Unicorns don't exist. Okay. Right. right. They don't exist. So, right. right. <laughs> there's a reason. Usually there's something at the other side of that. That's not so great. So it's very dangerous. Okay. So you decided, I, I've built this business plan backing up a little bit. How did you yeah. know how to build a business plan, by the way? Uh, 22 years and three years in corporate America, right? I think uh, there's something we said about background and experience. I mean, I built businesses at Bank of America, at JP Morgan, at HSBC, you know, some of those from scratch, some of those were rebuilt. Uh, some of those were closed and had to figure out new strategies around survival within those businesses. So Strategic plan and a business plan is the same, is basically the same thing, right? right? It's figuring out how to make money. It's figuring out how much investment you need in order to make money. What's your hiring plan look like? Again, what's your return on investment? So that was it, right? I literally said, okay, I know how to run a business. I had to build it. I've done it. I do it. That's how I literally started the business plan process. And, you know, everything from what's your mission, the problem you're solving your market analysis, your competitive landscape, to hiring, to operating the business, uh, and then ultimately to, to launching. What's your launch plan? That, that Those are the fundamentals, whether you're a solopreneur or you're raising money. It, it doesn't matter. You have fundamentals, and, and that's what I stuck to. You know, I always say back to basics. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with financial projections. You know, I've been doing those for years within um, looking at financial projections at companies we were evaluating um, in our client base, looking at financial statements. You know, I knew what to look for. And the biggest thing when you're starting a business to look for is your expense ratio, right? right? How much money do you need to start up the business? And then your ongoing expenses. When do you start generating revenue? And most people focus on revenue only. That's bullshit. When do you actually break even and when do you become profitable mm-hmm. as a business owner? When can you pay yourself? Um, when can you start hiring people? And then you start talking about scalability, JJ, and scalability looks different for every different business, right? Mm-hmm. That could be I'm hiring my first person to I'm selling the business, right? Mm-hmm. And everything in between. So that was how I started it. I, I used what I knew. And then I actually started syndicating it around in a very close network to look at that business plan and what they thought, mm-hmm. predominantly women. But I also did some fake pitches for investors because I wanted to hear their feedback. I knew I wasn't going to raise, but it didn't hurt to hear what the holes they wanted to poke in my strategy in the business. So that was also part of my process. That's so smart. So, I mean, I mean, there's a couple of things in there. First of all, 
you know more than you think, right? Just because you're doing it for other people doesn't mean yes. you can't do it for yourself, right? So take yep. all of your core learnings and experience in business and like apply them to your own business. That'll also help you inform who you need to hire around, whether that be just as a services, as lawyers or accountants, or if that is PR or marketing or social, whatever that is and who that who they are. But it's also, you know, you're, everyone knows about building a deck or a business plan if you're going to go and raise money, but you still should do it for yourself. Like I did it for the justice department because it was like, okay, what's our mission? What's our vision? What's our five-year goal? You know, what services do we provide? How are we going to make money? Like those are things. And and the good news about doing it for yourself is it doesn't have to be as pretty as when you do it for investors. Exactly. You need to put something on paper and it holds you accountable later on. And it holds you, um, um, you know, to, you know, when you're pivoting you go in and you still refer back to that plan and go like, okay, these are the things that I'm doing now and not doing. And exactly. And it's interesting, you know, I, as I guess it's, it's not, I don't know if I would call it a side hustle, but you know, I, in, in addition to luminary and now the glass ceiling, and you know, this, I have a, I have a separate business just where I consult for early stage founders, right? The majority of those are not raising money, um, but they're getting their you know, their ducks in order to, in order to launch or they're pivoting and, and relaunching or, or launching new products. And a lot of times I'll get into the stage if they're really early, they'll say, well, I need to raise money. And my first question is, okay, how much? Well, I've talked to a couple of people and they said they'd give me money. I'm like, okay, but you don't even know how much money you need to run this business. Right. So how do you even know you need to raise? Yeah. Um, so you have to go through the process of, and it's, I always say you have to go through the pain to get to the reward. And the reward is actually coming up with something that can work. That's a viable business that, you know, financially can work, you know, when you can start making money. Um, and if you ultimately want to, you know, exit that business, what's it going to take? Mm-hmm. Uh, you rarely see overnight successes and, and let's be clear the rent, the runways, the, we works, the slack, they're not overnight successes, the MailChimp's, they have been built over years and years and years. The problem is the media just makes it sound like, oh, they're the new kid on the block. They've totally disrupted and now they've sold for X amount of dollars or they're IPOing. Um, Educate. You've got to educate and understand the landscape. and, uh, And there's lots of ways to build a business. Yeah. And so, okay. I mean, that's a great point. Like my, you know, over COVID Roblox, like exploded and my kids play it and everybody's like, oh, it's new. It's like, it's been around for 20 years or something. Exactly. I had no, <laughs> Definitely over 10, I might not have been 20 and then IPO'd and it's like, now it's like massive, but you know, that's right. what happens. Um, and okay. So then you, so you decide that you're going to launch, you're going to use your own money. Yep. And when did Luminary launch? So uh, we technically soft launched at the end of 18 and then our, our sort of real formal operating, uh, you know, first full operating year was January. We started in January, 2019. So we're not even three years old yet. Yeah. We 14, 14 months old when the pandemic hit. Uh, so yeah. The same age. Like exactly. We are. And yeah. actually it was so interesting. I was thinking about how did we even get in, in, introduced? And it was Gina Hadley. Yeah, it was Gina Hadley, who will Gina, also she be was, appearing on this yeah. podcast. And she was like, you guys have to know each other. Yeah. You're like on the yeah. same wavelength. And actually the second shift, 
um, which Gina is a co-founder with, along with Jenny Gluzo, they, um, they were one of our first corporate members at Luminary. Uh, so, you know, that because we work with both individual members like yourself and then corporates, they were one of our first and, and, you know, they're a startup. So, uh, it was interesting to see a, a second shift sitting alongside of JP Morgan, um, within the Luminary community. But, you know, I think that when we started, we obviously had great growth plans. It was a, it's a, even though people would say it was a saturated market because you had other quasi competitors or peers like the wing and chief and others, you know, we can all coexist, right? It's called building an ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, and if one person gets the whole pie, we have done nothing for us as a gender and women founders. If we all get a slice of the pie, then we change the world. Yeah. So wait, let's go back and just say, tell us what, what's your elevator? What is Luminary? So just in case people don't know when they're listening. Yeah. So we are a uh, career and professional growth platform uh, with a physical space in New York City, uh, but then also a very large end-to-end digital experience thanks to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And our focus is advancing women in the workforce, regardless of professional journey. So whether you're a woman in entrepreneurship a woman in that's climbing the corporate ladder or in the workforce in some way, or a woman in transition. Um, we want to help advance you through community content and programming. And, you know, we're now, you know, 3000 plus members strong individually and over 50 companies that we work with to support their women in the pipeline at their organizations. Um, so much JJ of what people come to luminary for is that community, but the, hardcore programming that we're offering. If you're a business owner, if you're trying to get a raise, if you are trying to get back into the workforce and, and that's really why we exist. And um, so talk a little bit about like the corporate members too, like how does that work? Yeah. So we, everything is customized, which we, we love doing it. It's a lot more work, but it's a much better um, win-win situation for us and the, and the corporate. So when you think about companies, you think about, Existing DEI efforts, learning and leadership development, employee engagement, and also the customer, right? Because now you can't get away with only talking about the customer. You've got to do this again, this holistic. It's about community, it's about colleague, and it's about your customer. Right. And so we work with, again, companies like JP Morgan and Unilever and Verizon and, and Goldman and others, UBS, Spotify, Viacom. And we really think about how do we invest in their pipeline much earlier? giving them access to programming, coaching, mentoring, um, all of that. And so they have memberships at Luminary for their women, both online and then in the space if they're in the New York area. And we take that all the way through and work with companies on how do they actually talk to their customers differently? What's important to their customers from a DEI standpoint? How are they bringing customers in, looking at customer acquisition, um, and really not pitching customers another product, but let's actually help these companies become true thought leaders, um, whether that's for, again, small business, all the way to you know brand development, brand amplification. Uh, and every company has a challenge with retention, hiring, both from the internal standpoint and a customer standpoint. So Luminary is kind of like the glue. Um, but any company that we work with is, is really, we sit and we dig in and say, what are your challenges internally and externally? And then we then figure out how we can help both those populations. Is, did you set out to do that when you first started yeah. Luminary? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't they, sure that was part of your mission. Yeah. 
day one, I mean, you talk about scalability, right? We can, we'll continue to grow individually yeah. and, and that's part of it. But the corporate side, that's also goes back to the whole reason I started Luminary in the first place. I was sitting in big 200,000 plus organizations and I wasn't seeing the impact and the, and the needle move fast enough. So I can't do that just one by one, right? One-on-one is great. One to few is better. One to many, one to infinity. And that's how you do it in these companies. You right. really create scale within the companies and you create a, an incredible amount of, of loyalty. You're providing a, you know, a powerful benefit for their employees. And, and by the way, we've always welcomed men, right? So we've never said no men. We need men. We need our male allies. And I say allies very um, you know, intentionally, those that support our journeys, that want to help us, that are actually putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, so we've always welcomed men. And it's interesting, since the vaccine and people are coming back in our New York space, we're seeing, I, I would say, 20% of the people within the space are, or the individuals are men and they love it and they're there and they're working with women and they get it. And it's, it's kind of like a light bulb situation. So we're doing that on the individual side and hopefully, um, and I know we are doing that in the company side because we're getting more and more men that are like, wait a second, what is this? And how do I support my, um, my women employees? Right. And I also like um, you, you had referenced earlier, it's like, oh, it's such a crowded space. It's like you just mentioned two things and then you had the Riveter over on in Seattle, which yeah. you know, had to close all their leases. So there's no physical space, but and the wing virtually doesn't exist anymore, you know. And so you're like, oh, for 50 percent of the population, that's a crowded right. space. And when right. I was at Superfly, when we were starting to do things that were more female oriented, it's like, well, the space is so crowded. I mean, you know, there's that. um you know, the, what was, um, Sophia Amoroso's like, Oh, girl boss. She had girl boss had something and you're like, and okay. And and literally every one of these, I mean, and the thing is the other thing, JJ is that if we were smart and I think luminary and, and is smart, you'd collaborate, like create partnerships where, you know, luminary is working with elevate luminary is working with black women, talk tag luminary could work with create and cultivate like one plus one equals three, one plus one could equal five. If we did it well, right. right. But again, back to everybody making money, there's a piece of the pie for all yeah. of us. And, you know, it's so interesting to me. We were constantly compared to, to comp- some of the ones that we just mentioned, and, and there are others. Um, you know, we're different, and that's great. We're different, yeah. and that's okay. And we're actually leaving it up to the customer, the consumer, the member to make that choice. And we have members that are part of lots of organizations yeah. and that's okay. We don't, yeah. we don't need to own it all. That's why we partner with organizations. Wow. We have 10 different lipsticks and 10 different. <laughs> exactly. Like, why would it, you know what I mean? Not everything is like, look at my closet. I don't have one brand in there, right? I have hundreds. I know. I know. There's other things we have. We're super dynamic and we want different things and, and certain, you know, like I'm on, Hey mama, there's a lot of stuff with like, a, exactly. you know, mom resources. By the way, we're just starting our partnership with Hey Mama. Amazing. So, um, Katya's on here too soon. Yeah. Yeah. So we, they actually a new corporate member, um, shout out to, to Armory and Katya and the team. So they work at a luminary space for those that are in the New York area. And um, as of next week, which will be well, the first week of November, I apologize, we'll announce a bigger partnership and, and how our women in each of those communities can tap into the opportunity of both, um, yeah. including um, the physical space here in New York. 
Yeah, well, um, there's one thing that we didn't get to, um, and we won't go into a ton, but you know, when COVID started, Kate had COVID very, very, very badly and pivoted the entire business to be online and digital, like during the whole time while having COVID. Yes, that was, that is, I'd say to people, 2019, I mean, 2020 was uh, my hardest or most challenging year career-wise, but also the most rewarding because even when I had COVID, even when we were going through PPP, what a nightmare, and trying to keep the business alive, we had lost 80% of our revenue in the first three months. You know, We adapted overnight before New York even went on lockdown and went online because for the sole reason, we weren't about to desert or abandon our community. And we were seeing that from other mm-hmm. quasi spaces, right? And so now we have members in more than 30 countries um, and more than... 70% of our members are actually now outside of New York. Yeah, because you can be a digital member and you can exactly. like yeah, you can participate that way virtually. Exactly. I mean, it changed podcasting, right? It's like right. when I used to do podcasts, we had to organize it. I have to be there. If you have to be in town, if I was doing it in LA. And you now need a soundproof like, room. Yes. You need yes, the you know, right now you, yeah. I mean, at any given time, there's a fire truck going by outside of my house in New York, you know, and it's just like Every, nothing has to be perfect anymore. Exactly. We, you know what? We, I love that. We're not perfect and shiny. <laughs> we say high touch, low tech, no. right? High touch, low tech. Like no one cares about the bells and whistles anymore. We just no. want to consume and yeah. learn and connect. Amazing. Well, um, I'm, I can't keep you all day, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but there's one question I ask everybody. And that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? Keep your head down and your accomplishments will speak for themselves. Oh my God. That was my same one. Just do the work. (laughs) Man, you know, it'll come. It's like, oh, right. So I'm here doing the work at 10 at night while you're out schmoozing, getting business. (laughs) And so it keeps me doing the work. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. For, and for those of you who can't see us, we're both giving the middle finger. Yeah, um, exactly. Ladies or whoever's listening, doesn't matter who you are. Keep your heads up, keep your yes. hands raised and your shoulders back. Accomplishments don't feed for yourselves. You self-promote authentically, yeah. advocate for yourselves and others, but you got to be out there um, because you are doing the work. So get rewarded for it. Exactly. Well, speaking of self-promotion, how do people find you? <laughs> So they can find Luminary at luminary-nyc.com. Don't let the NYC fool you. Uh, be a Luminary. So at Be a Luminary is all of our social. And for me, um, my best platform is LinkedIn. So Kate Luzio with a C, C-A-T-E-L-U-Z-I-O. And then at Kate Luzio across Twitter, LinkedIn, and all the other platforms. Amazing. Uh, well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Let us know who else you want to hear from, other topics you want to hear about. And until then, I'm Jennifer Justice. Thanks, JJ. Thank you, Kate. <laughs>